0: Was missing. I enjoyed that worship uh, with you so much uh, here this morning. My name is Dan Woods, uh, my lovely wife Gwen. We've ministered and traveled all over, but the Lord has uh, given us a new home the last several years, uh, not far from Stoneville, uh, in the lovely land of Eden. And uh, that's where my wife grew up in the Draper Church. And her father was a pastor uh, in the Western North Carolina Conference. And so at this season in our lives, we've been coming back home. And what a delight it is to be here uh, with you. My topic, I need to give you a little bit of explanation before I move into it. Uh, When I was asked uh, a month or six weeks ago, uh, to come and, and bring the word to this great church. I was so excited, and two messages came into my mind. Uh, one of them, uh, I immediately dismissed and said, Lord, I don't want to preach that, because it might make somebody mad, and I really don't know many people over there. And uh, uh, this other one, Lord, uh, people, if I preach that, people are going to get free. And I said, I really want to preach that one. And I don't know if I really asked him or not, uh, but I just made a decision on the one, and I put away the other. And I have been working and preaching that in my mind for the last four or five weeks, and I, I was so excited. I even told the pastor I can, I can see people's faces when I'm preaching to them, and I can even see some coming to the altar to get delivered and get free. And I was so excited, and then he called me on Friday, a little downcast, and said, brother, we still want you. It just won't be anybody there. <laughs> and I said, that's all right, I'm flexible. I'm happy to do it, I'm looking forward. But when I got off the phone, all of a sudden I realized I can't preach that message because I can see those people's faces when I'm preaching to them, and I can see them coming to the altar. And how can I do that when they're at home? And then all of a sudden i remembered that other sermon the one that i had immediately dismissed and put over here because i didn't much want to preach it didn't want to make anybody mad well here we go i'm going to preach that message the title is what makes a healthy church what makes a healthy church and if you Think about it, uh, I could put a question mark there and make it a question, uh, what makes a healthy church? Or I could make it a a declarative sentence with a period or or even an exclamation point, what makes a healthy church? Which one is it? Well, why don't we start out as a question and ask the Lord to help put an exclamation point on it before the end of this message. Uh, My text is going to be from Acts 16 about the founding of the church at uh, uh, Philippi on the movement of the gospel from Asia for the first time into Europe. I will eventually read verses 6 through 14, but I just want to read the two main verses in your hearing before we begin. Verses 9 and 10 from Acts 16, and a vision appeared to Paul. In the night, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10, now after Paul had seen the vision, immediately, Luke writes, we sought to go to Macedonia concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Lord, I ask you right now to bless not just the reading but the preaching and the hearing and the consideration and ultimately the doing of the word. In Jesus' name we ask for we can do nothing, nothing without your help, amen. Well, I'm gonna take this off and put it right here. Now, do you know what that means? That's right. Uh, I did that once in a church. I put it there and the person that knew me in the back hollered out. He said, I said, do you know what that means? He said, absolutely nothing. And I said, that's right. I have a Pentecostal watch, Pastor Brett. It only works for the start time. It just quits working once you start preaching. But I'm going to put it right there out of my way. Um, what a blessing it is to be at this church. I don't know too much about it. I've been to a men's meeting here. We actually attended a service here back in June and Pastor Brett preached his socks right down in his shoes. We had a wonderful time here visiting with you because normally we're out preaching. And uh, I've been here for a few meetings over the years and enjoyed a number of marvelous steak Uh, Great commission meals out in the fellowship hall. Uh, And we've just enjoyed this church. We admire this church. And one thing I can say about you is that you have gotten, you have uh, enjoyed some of the greatest preachers over the year in in the history of our denomination. Uh, And when I think about standing in this sacred desk, it makes me a little bit nervous to follow someone like, well, Doyle Marley, all right? And I can go way back and Dr. Terry Trammell before he was a doctor. And way back to my friend Trent Wall or, or way back to James Ward. Uh, this is the place where one of the greatest young preachers in the denomination learned to preach, Brother Trey Ward. And I can just come forward to Doyle Marley again and uh, and come on, I uh, hope I don't forget anybody, but Tommy Vass and now Brett and Angie Gardner are here and, uh, And Doyle Marley's still here. And uh, to stand in this pulpit, uh, you really need to rely on the Lord, don't you? (laughs) And so uh, what an honor it is to be here. We have health on our mind a lot these days. Every time we turn on the news and we find out how many people in Rockingham County have tested positive for COVID and how many people have died and how many in Guilford County and what... North Carolina's restrictions are and what Virginia's restrictions are. We were pastoring in Danville and living in Eden and I had to keep up with both sets of restrictions of what I could do and couldn't do uh, when I crossed the state line and when we went to church and we're all trying to uh, we're trying to be healthy aren't we? That's why there was so much wisdom in the decision on Friday not to have service the next two Sundays but it's on our minds our personal health But it's not just personal health that's on our mind. There is societal health. It seems to me that we live in an increasingly sick society. Uh, We are divided over everything. We we even get in fusses over whether or not we should wear a face mask to Walmart. And so, I mean, what kind of society does that? There are people who have shot other people because they did or didn't have a face mask on. Right? We have arguments over statues and over race and over protests. And, uh, but let me say something to you. We didn't suddenly become sick. Well, I mean, we've been a sick society for a while. This is a society uh, that, that has no respect for one of the most important institutions that God created and that is to exemplify the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church and that is holy wedlock, marriage. We let men marry men and women marry women and we celebrate it, we didn't just legalize it and we condemn people who say that it's wrong and before that though, most heterosexuals in this country had quit getting married How many pastors will tell you that they used to do about two weddings and three funerals uh, and then two more weddings and three more funerals? And I'm gonna tell you in the last 10 years, I've done at least 12 funerals for every wedding that I've done. Sometimes I'll do 15 funerals without one single wedding. Why? I'm not a very good wedding preacher? No, that's not it. It's that nobody's getting married. And if they do get married, they get married in a barn or a field or somebody's backyard. What's wrong with the church? Right? I mean, pretty soon, are we going to start having funerals in barns? People, people know they need to die in church because the next thing is important, right? <laughs> they need to have their funeral there, but they don't want to get married in church. Recent statistics that I've read uh, say that... Uh, In surveys, young people under 35 who are not married and identify themselves as evangelical or born-again Christians, that between 80 and 90% of them are sexually active. We've got our churches full of couples who are shacking up. And many times we let them teach the children and sing in the choir and do all sorts of other things, even though they are not married. We have, uh, we have so many divisions in this country, so many problems. So we have a society that now is sick and needs health. Now, what is a healthy society? Well, we've never had a perfect society and we had some problems in the past that thank God we don't have today, but we still have problems because people are not willing to acknowledge the truth of the word of god and be disciplined in their lives by what god says is right just starting with the 10 commandments but if you can't hear anything else that i say today before i get started here's what i want to tell you a sick society needs a healthy church. And I've been in a lot of churches. We've pastored a number of churches, preached in a lot of churches, preached and been privileged to preach in over 20 different denominations in their churches. So we have seen a lot, and, and I have seen a few healthy churches that can reach their communities. But I've seen a lot of other churches and everybody says, well, they're good people, but and that church is not reaching their community for Jesus Christ, why? Because they're not healthy. A sick church can't reach a sick society. If we mirror the society, then we mirror their illness, we mirror their sicknesses. I'd like to take you to this passage in Acts 16 in just a little bit more detail. I might move around a little bit. I'm gonna prepare myself. I got my watch off. I'll open up my water and get it started. I'll take hold of my Bible and I'm gonna unbutton my coat. Now I'm ready, all right? Uh, And I I normally preach down there, uh, but the folks are at home, so I think I'll just stay up here, all right? Bifocals make it a little hard on these steps sometimes. All right, here we go. I wanna talk to you about our passage and then I want to show you that there is a key in this passage that can tell us the difference between a healthy and an unhealthy church. You might be thinking, well, a healthy church is gonna have better doctrine. Well, not always. A healthy church is gonna have a more charismatic preacher. Not always. A healthy church is gonna have better music. Not always. A healthy church is gonna attract more people. Not always. Bishop Ron Carpenter Sr. said you can can attract a crowd without building a church. What makes a healthy church? I wanna show you the key and I want you then to examine yourself. I'm not asking you to examine your church. I'm just asking you to examine yourself as part of the church. Now the event we're about to hear about from which our main text comes is one that's not often preached on. We know about it because we say it's important historically. In fact, it's one of the most important events in shaping modern history. The most important, of course, is, uh, is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But beyond that, I can't think of anything more important than what happens in this passage here. The gospel of Jesus Christ came out of a small persecuted religious group in the far eastern part of the Roman Empire. They were were bound in in a narrow area on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea around Jerusalem. But after this passage, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ had been spread open to reach the non-Jews, that is, everybody else. Gentile, or goyim in Hebrew, which means Jew-not. If you were goyim, you were not a Jew. And in Acts chapter 15, after some Gentiles had said, we want that Savior Jesus too. They had decided that that the Savior did die, as was prophesied in Jeremiah, prophesied in Isaiah, not just for the Jews, but for all people but there weren't that many Gentiles in that area. And the Holy Spirit will take Paul and his small band of leaders. There was just four of them. And against their will, it wasn't even what they were thinking they wanted to do. He had them cross over into Greece, to Europe, to the land full of Gentiles and preach the gospel there. And because of that, All of Europe is eventually swept in. And then Europe develops technology that causes it to move all over the world and take the gospel to North America, take the gospel to South America, take the gospel to Africa, take the gospel to the the Far East. And it all starts right here with four men who didn't wanna go saying, yes, Lord, And when they get there, they couldn't find a synagogue to preach in because Philippi was so, the number of Jews was so small, they didn't have a building. And they found a group of women who were praying down by the water. And they led one of those women to the Lord. And as a consequence, folks, the gospel is here in Rockingham County. This is one of the most important things that has ever happened in history. But when you... When I've preached this before, that's what i focused on. But about two years ago, when I was reading this passage again, I said, wait a minute, there's something else there. What went across that water to Europe was a small church. It was Paul and his assistant pastor, his new associate pastor, Silas. He had just come out of a church split You remember what happens. Paul and Barnabas have a split and Barnabas takes John Mark and goes off and and then here Paul says, well, I'll take Silas and then before long, they pick up a a young half-breed fellow named Timothy and then they get a full Gentile named uh, named Luke who used to be a slave. And so here these four guys go staggering out of a church split. They got these two new fellows and there's something that the good Jewish people are gonna look down upon both of them over. One's a half Jew and one is, is a fully not Jew. And so here they go and they go back and they preach in the churches where they're used to preaching. Pick it up in chapter 16 verse six. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the, the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now, Asia is not what you're thinking. Don't think China. Asia was a province in what's now southeastern Turkey. It's the area around Ephesus and Paul will eventually preach the gospel there. But they wanted to go in that direction. But the Holy Spirit said no. How did the Holy Spirit say no? I don't know. Did he tell Paul that there was a check on it? Uh, did he give him a check or did a, did a flaming angel stand in the middle of the road? I don't know what happened. But they realized that once they got to that place in what's now Western Turkey, they wanted to go to the Southwest and the Holy Spirit said no. And so they kept going. What do you do when you don't know where to go? You just keep going, right? So they kept going and they came to Mysia and they tried to go to Bithynia Bithynia would be going the opposite direction to the northeast up on the Black Sea. It was a prosperous area. It was a place where Romans vacationed. There was lots of money. If I wanted to plant a church, I would want to have planted a church in Bithynia. That sounds like a good place to go. It'd be like saying, Lord, you want me to plant a church in Hawaii? Okay, I'll go. Well, what happened? Well, you can read it for yourself. Uh, but the Spirit did not permit them. So the Holy Spirit stopped them from going to the Southwest and stopped them from going to the Northeast and so they just kept going forward. The problem is they kept going, they came down to Troas which was on the coast. Now, Troas is what many of you learned in school to call Troy. How many of you remember the the Greeks trying for 10 years to invade Troy? Right, because the king's wife, Helen, was so beautiful and she had been stolen, you remember that? And after 10 years, they got nowhere and finally some guy had a bright idea of, of saying, let's just retreat and pretend we're retreating and we'll, we'll give them a gigantic carved wooden horse and say, you guys were too tough for us, here's a present. And then we'll hide 30 fierce warriors inside of the horse and when they bring it in the gates they'll open the gates and we'll all come rushing in and that's what supposedly happened. Do you remember? That's the place where Europe invaded Asia for the first time. Now all of a sudden they find themselves in this place. They have no desire to go to Europe. They have no desire to go across to northern Greece or Macedonia. There aren't many Jews there. All of those people have a different culture, different food. They look, they look down on us, we look down on them. And instead, when they get there, look at what happened. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. They have reached the end of the road, literally. We can't go that way, the Holy Spirit said no. We can't go that way, so I guess we'll just keep going and see what happens, and if nothing happens, we'll turn around and just go home in defeat. But instead, the Lord shows Paul a vision of a man across the water in Macedonia, northern Greece, a different culture, a different country, a different Continent, and says, take the gospel there. It's almost as if Paul and the others had never envisioned taking the gospel to Europe. But here came a man in a vision and he said, come to Macedonia and help us. And that's our text for today. What does this have to do with being a healthy church? Well, let me read the rest of the passage. Now, after Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, I've officially ended my introduction. Now, let me tell you why I'm here and what I want you to get out of this message. What makes a healthy church Notice the first thing. If these four men are the kernel of the church in Europe that's about to be planted, you've got the pastor, Paul, Apostle Paul. You've got his associate pastor, uh, Silas. Let's say he takes care of the finances and let's say he takes care of the seniors when they need a visit. And then you've got these two young guys and you got Timothy, uh, let's put him in charge of outreach. And, and we got Luke, let's put him in charge of the teenagers. Right. In other words, we got our different church leaders. If this is a small church, how does it function? What I want you to see is a church must have a vision. It must have a vision. I'm not talking about a canned vision that you buy on an internet program. I'm not talking about something you get out of a book or off a website or you get off a TV preacher. I'm talking about something that the Lord Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit says, I want this church to do exactly what I'm saying. This is what I want you to do. Many churches are floundering around going in this age and our divided society and racial division and, and, and uh, political division and, and sickness and all of this. I mean, what are we supposed to do? We don't know what to do. It's almost as if you can't do anything. And you come to the end of the road, you've tried this and the Holy Spirit said no and you tried that and the Holy Spirit said no and you just keep going and before you know it, you've hit the edge of the water and you don't know what to do. And Lord, we can't go on without you and when you get to that point, he will give you a vision, a vision of what you need to do. Where you need to put your prayers, where you need to put your money, where you need to put your efforts, what you need to keep the same, what you need to change in order to reach that vision that he's given you. And in this case, it was to cross the water, go to a foreign place they didn't really wanna go to where they'd never even thought about going and go over there and against all odds, start the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Greece and it will spread from Philippi all the way to England, all the way to Norway, all the way to Russia, all the way to Spain and from there all over the world. And it starts with four obedient men finding one group of women who were praying by the water and they told them about Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me just say this about a healthy church. The members of a healthy church go out telling people about Jesus. (laughs) You don't tell them about your great preacher. You don't tell them about your great music. You don't tell them about your great doctrine you know, we're Pentecostal and you're not. We don't tell them about this. We don't t- what do we tell them about? Tell them about Jesus. You say, well, what's the Stoneville Pentecostal holiness church like? It's a bunch of people that were on their way to hell and then Jesus saved them and turned them around and, and why don't you come be one of them with us? You gotta have a vision. You gotta have a vision and a vision is specific. There are a thousand good things you could be spending your time and money on as a church, right? But there's only one perfect thing that the will of God is calling you to do. And you gotta find that and know what that is a vision. Why does a church need a vision? Proverbs 29, 18 says, Without a vision, the people perish. And that's not a good translation. The best translation is, Without a vision, the people lack self-control. Here's the way I like to put it. The people run wild, everyone doing their own thing. In an unhealthy church, the people are all doing their own thing. The youth are doing their thing, right? The uh, music ministry is doing their thing, right? Sometimes the praise team's doing one thing, the choir is doing another. <laughs> it, it's really bad when they start doing it at the same time in the service. I've, I've seen it. And, and the, uh, the senior ministry is doing that, right? And you have a you have a fight in the parking lot between the youth, the youth pastor, and the senior leader over who's got the van today. <laughs> All right, you, you understand what I'm talking about? Un- lack of help, because the people are running wild. Everybody has their own view. Where do criticisms of the pastor come from? For the most part people that have their own vision of what the pastor should be doing, all right? pastor's not doing what I think y'all do. Well, how can the pastor do what everybody thinks he should do unless they all think he should do the same thing? And if, he, if the Lord gives him or her a vision and they make it plain, that's the key. You've got to have a vision so the people don't run wild. Now, notice what the man said. He said... Come and help us. In an unhealthy church, people aren't concerned about helping others. They're concerned about helping themselves. I want my kind of pew, my kind of service. I want my kind of temperature control. I want my length of service. I want my style of special. I want my kind of preaching. I want, I want this. I want that. I want it to go my way. And then you got little groups that think they can coalesce because they have similar my ways. And you got a little faction here and a little faction there. and They kind of break up. They're not going to be happy with any preacher.
1: Right.
0: They don't want to be the pastor. They just want to run the pastor. Right. In an unhealthy church, people get away with that. In a healthy church, the church people, not the pastor, the church people stand up to them and say, quit it. You can't do that here. You've done this for the last time. You've run off the last preacher. You've agitated, you've afflicted the last pastor's family. You know, you've criticized the last music minister. You've criticized the last youth pastor. We just can't have it. Get off the telephone. Get off Facebook. Get down on your knees and pray. And if you can't be happy here, go find a place where they'll let you run things. But you can't do it here. And in a healthy church, the pastor can't do that. It's gotta be the people who've been there a while who stand up and say, you've done this for the last time, right? There's a pattern here. Now you see why I didn't want to preach this. It's this the one I didn't want to preach. <laughs> but you know, I'm enjoying it anyway. <laughs> I hope you are. And if you aren't, ask the Lord why. Now, in a good holiness church, we're, we're about submitting the self to the will of God. That's what, that's what sanctification is, right? You get self out of the way. Kill the old man, get self out of the way, and the old woman, (laughs) and get self out of the way and let the Lord rule. All right, in that situation, we live for others. We prefer one another. We want the other members of the church to be happy. We're more concerned about what they need instead of what we need. Notice what the man in Macedonia said. Come over and help us. Help us in a healthy church. The members are interested in reaching others for Jesus Christ. They're more interested in helping others than they are in helping themselves. When we ever get back to homecomings and having church dinners, you know, watch the people when they get in there. Some people run to the front of the line and get as many pieces of ham as they can. All right, all right. Some people come to church early so they can park right near the front door so they don't have to walk very far. I'm not talking about handicapped people. I'm talking about fully able-bodied people. They're, they come to church, I want the best seat, I want the best parking lot, I want the biggest piece of ham. And when it comes to the pastor's attention, I want the majority of that on me and on my needs. But you watch, watch the person who even though they're 70 years old and could benefit from a closed parking lot, will park way down yonder in Egypt and then walk up here because they want visitors to have an open space near the door. They will not grab one seat if a visitor comes in. You know, some people sit in the same pew so long, it's actually shaped like their body. You can walk down through there and go, where did sister so-and-so sit? I'm not sure, oh, right here. (laughs) Pastor liked that, nobody else did. I liked it. All right. And instead, that person, if a visitor comes in there and is sitting there, should I stay? Am I welcome? I'm not sure. I know I need something. I don't know what it is. And then, and then you walk in and sit in that and then five minutes into the service, sister so-and-so and her husband come down and go, get up, you're in my seat. I, we, we paid to honor my grandmother 40 years ago. See that plaque, there's a name on that pew. It's mine. I don't care where you sit, but get up and go somewhere else. You say, well, nobody would ever do that here. Well, do we ever act like that? Now, we live to serve others, to help others, to reach others with the gospel. The vision must be about reaching others with the gospel. And here's the key. If we go to the next verse, it said, we decided that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel, to take the gospel, to deliver the gospel to those people. Folks, it's got to center on the gospel. One sermon the Lord has birthed in me this summer that I've already preached several places and I'll give it to you in a nutshell, is called Back to the Basics. And it's based on 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance that Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners. And then Paul adds this, and I'm the biggest one of all. I'm telling you that if our churches are not focused, first and foremost on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that we're all born sinners and cannot save ourselves, uh, that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, the only way to God, the only way to change, the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners and I'm not the best sinner, I'm the biggest sinner of all. If you don't think you were the biggest sinner of all, then you got a little pride problem. You might've got saved, but you need to get sanctified. All right? So wait a minute now, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't dip and chew and run with them that do. Yeah, but you wanted to. You're just too big a coward to do it. And now that you're saved, you want to witness, but you're just too big a coward to do it. <laughs> you know, timid sinners often make timid Christians. That's why such bad sinners make such good Christians, such bold Christians, somebody like Paul. Well, let me tell you that the vision must be the gospel. If your vision is not centered in the gospel, if you don't run every program and every expenditure and every, uh, every service by the cross and say, does this fit uh, into the preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified? Will people get saved if we do this? Will saved people become discipled so that they can go out and win the lost and get them saved if we do this, then we ought to quit doing that, quit spending our time, quit spending our money on things like that. Boys ministry, it's about the gospel. Girls ministry, senior ministry, right? Um, Music ministry, outreach, visitation, nursing home, What is it all about? Missions. What's it about? It's about getting people saved. And once they're saved, getting them discipled so that they can help other people get saved. Folks, that's the only business that we're in. Anything else we do must fit into that, must support that. That's the vision. When he said, come over here and help us, he didn't mean come over here and help us with our power bill or come over here and bring us some food or come over here and and pray for us because we're sick and there's nothing wrong with those things. He said, come help us because we're dying on our way to hell. We need to meet the Savior, Jesus Christ, the only way to heaven, the only way to God, the only way to eternal life. A healthy church has a vision. The vision is anchored in the cross, in the work of Christ, and it's about helping others If you want to help yourself, then you need to learn to help others. The Lord will help you when you're helping others. As long as you go to church to help yourself. I hear it all the time, where are you gonna go to church? Well, I don't wanna go there, they don't have a good children's program. I don't wanna go there because the music's not all that good or I don't wanna go over there because, uh, you know, they're a little too old or or maybe they're a little too young and I just don't know if I'm gonna fit in. Folks, when you're thinking like that, you're thinking about where can I find a church that will serve me, that will help me. A healthy Christian says, where am I needed? Lord, where do you want me to go? And when I get there, they say, pastor, I embrace the vision. How can I help? Here I am. Send me, use me, assign me. Me, but there's so many people that want to tell the pastor what they're called to do and what they're good at and what they will do and what they won't do. Hmm. It's so quiet here. I have a feeling if there were 300 people here, it'd be just as quiet about now. So let me try to encourage you just a little bit. This is the beginning of the insight I have on what makes a healthy church. It's got a gospel-centered vision that's about reaching others instead of taking care of yourself. But folks, it's not enough to have the right vision. I've been to churches that have wonderful visions, great preaching, great music, and they weren't getting anything done. They just weren't. They weren't going anywhere. Their idea was, let's get together on Sunday and have a great service. Oh, we had a good service. Did you feel that? Yes, I felt that. Let's go to the restaurant and talk about how good a church we have. And then after everybody leaves, we can talk about the pastor. Now, what is it? What is it that I see in verse 10? Now, after Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, this is the first of the we passages. It tells us that Luke is now part of the group. So there is Silas, there is Timothy, and there is Luke. So the three of us, together with Paul, Immediately sought to go to Macedonia. They hadn't thought about going to Macedonia. It wasn't on their radar, so to speak. And yet, when the Lord gave them the vision, they were praying, Lord, where do we go? What do we do? You wouldn't let us preach there. You wouldn't let us preach there. Where can we preach? Come to Macedonia and help us. Immediately, immediately, it said, we sought to go to Macedonia. Do you know what that means? That means that very morning, they got their money together, they got their calendars together, they packed up their stuff and they made, and here's a literal translation, They made the arrangements to go to Macedonia. They didn't have a a vote. They didn't wait for a meeting. They didn't write back to Jerusalem to get permission or anything like that. The Lord spoke, go over there and preach the gospel. And they said, all right, we're going. What do we need to do? And immediately, I'm sure, a couple of them said, well, I need to take care of this. I need to go pay this bill or I need to do this. And then immediately, and by the next day, they were in a boat going across the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea, headed for a place they'd never been, headed for a place they never thought they would be going, committed. Now, why? Why did they do that? It says, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Folks, do you see the importance of that word concluding? That's when the Lord spoke to me and said, that's a healthy church. The Holy Spirit has provided a specific vision. It's not just the gospel, but to preach the gospel in a specific place to a specific people. There's your target group take the gospel, go there and give it to those people. And it said immediately, immediately they made arrangements to go do it. What do you see in that? The word we. We is unified. A church that is healthy, is unified around the vision that the Lord has given to the leadership about where they're going to preach the gospel and how they're going to preach the gospel. And that group says, we're here to help you. We'll make arrangements. Here's our money, here's my calendar, here's my time, here's my strong back, here's my mind, here's my hands, here's my feet. I'm ready to go. Immediately. (coughs) And why did they do that? Because they had a unity of agreement that this vision was for them. Folks, if you want to be a healthy church, then there must be a unity, a concluding, that this is what the Lord has called us to do. And the thing that he's called you to do has to be the cross, it has to be Jesus, it has to be the gospel. And then as the Lord reveals to your leadership exactly what we need to do, and you're praying for them, don't you think those three guys were praying for Paul to get some wisdom? They had literally come to the end of the road. (coughs) I've been to church after church has come to the end of the road. They don't know what to do. All right, They're sitting in Troas, so to speak. And they say, we don't understand it. We've just gotten smaller and we've gotten older and we've got enough money to keep the lights on and pay the preacher and we've got a good preacher and he's preaching well but, but we don't know why people won't come. The reason they're not coming is there must be a vision and the vision's from the Holy Spirit. It says go take the gospel to those people and then all the people in the church have to say, say we believe that's what the Lord wants us to do. You need to come to a corporate conclusion. The Lord wants us to take the gospel to those people. And then immediately you start to make arrangements to do it. You don't wait for Brown Summit to give you permission. Unless it's outside the manual, then you need to ask. But if the Lord tells you to start a Hispanic ministry, you need to start it. If the Lord tells you that, the, that you need to reach into this trailer park or that trailer park or this country club or that country club or, or you need, to, the pastor needs to go down and start, and, uh, and start singing in front of the bars. Whatever it is the Lord shows him, Come up under him. Come up behind him. We conclude that the Lord wants us to take the gospel to those people who need Jesus just as much as we once needed Jesus. I'm tired of sitting around and playing church and hoping we have good preaching and good singing and hoping the singers get along and the the council gets along and the teachers get along and women's ministry and men's ministry don't get into it and We just, you can preach stuff like that when you don't know anything that's going on. I'm just throwing out hypotheticals that I've seen in other places, not called Stonewall but you know the same devil's operating in every single church and wants to bring the same division in every single church and I'm just telling you folks, what you have to do to be a healthy church is say, Lord, give the pastor the vision to take the gospel to a certain group of people and then when he does, say, we're convinced, we're with you, here's our hands, here's our feet, here's our billfold, here's our calendar. How can we help you do it? And then when people start carping in the community and say, I don't like that. I don't know who he thinks he is. I don't know. I don't know why my daughter isn't singing. I don't know why this isn't being done. I don't know why they quit doing that. Right? Then you need to rise up in love and just say, we have concluded that the Lord wants us to take the gospel to these people. And that's why we're not doing those things. And we invite you, come join us. Come and help us. But why don't people wanna do that? It's because they haven't had the realization that Paul realized. Paul said, Paul said, Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. I'm the biggest one of all. The people who cause division in the church who have their own visions. That's what division means. More than one vision, you got division. The people who have their own visions are the people who don't remember what a big sinner and how they only got saved by the grace of God and how they deserve hell and they don't deserve any of the great blessings that God has poured out on them and instead of using those blessings to reach other poor sinners, what do they do? They turn them into some kind of badge of entitlement and say, this is my church and I'm so spiritual that I can determine what people can do. I can even tell you where the pastor's writing where he's wrong. As long as you add that last part to your vision. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners and the Holy Spirit has told our pastor that those are the sinners we need to go after and we're gonna do it because, and I'm not gonna judge him because I know I'm the biggest sinner of all. In other words, some humility. John Wesley said 250 years ago, the biggest problem in all religion is the pride of religious people. So I'm here to kick some props of pride out from under whoever it is who's listening. Now, look, if you're thinking, it's not me, but I know who it is, to stop and think, it might be you. In what way am I not 100% behind the vision? In what way am I not immediately making arrangements to go take the gospel to those people? In in what way does it not seem good to me to do what the Lord has called Stoneville Pentecostal Holiness Church
1: to do?
0: And you say, well... Brother Dan, if that's me,
1: what do I do? It's really simple. Right now, wherever you are, you just repent. Say, Lord Jesus, I see now that
0: I haven't been as big a help as I thought it was. Maybe I've been in the way. And Lord, I want to be like Timothy. I want to be like Luke. I want to be like Silas. I want to be part of the we. I want to make, I want to know who we're supposed to go take the gospel to, and I want to get involved, and I want to go. I want to make arrangements. I want to be part of the mission of this great church.
1: And Lord, I can see now that maybe I've been a little
0: more interested in helping myself
1: than helping others. And maybe
0: I've been a little bit prideful. Maybe, Lord, I... Maybe, Lord, I... I need to say I'm the biggest sinner. I was the biggest sinner in this church and I'm saved by the grace of God and Lord
1: Jesus. Pray with me. Forgive me. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of holding back. Forgive me of possibly bringing division, maybe even running some people away
0: who should still be here. Lord, I want to be a healthy church. I want I want Stoneville to be the healthiest church it can be. And I realize now that the, the most important thing I can do is not tell the pastor what to do, not tell the council what to do, The most important thing I can do, Lord, is get myself healthy. Get myself right. Get myself positioned to be part of the we who conclude that the vision is for us and immediately make preparations to go get it done together in the name.
1: Part of the we, Lord. Take any vestige of pride and self-centeredness out of me, Lord. Because I want to be part of reaching the community and reaching the world with the gospel. There are so many out there. Say, come and help us. Come help us. I don't want to stop the help. I don't want to hinder the help. I want to be part of the rescue. I want to see new souls sing. I want to see saved people begin to become soul winners. I want this to be a we church and not a me church. Forgive me, Lord, and change me. And Lord, when we come back together in a few weeks, let it be different. There's
0: already unity here, but Lord, let the unity increase. And let that unity be centered on the vision, and let the vision be centered on the gospel and let the gospel be aimed at people who need you, Lord. And Lord, I pray, let me be a bigger part than I've ever been before. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen.